It is health and well-being. Nice to have you with us for a Tuesday afternoon. We've got our naturopath Peter Mullen here with us. 49216216 if you'd like to be part of the program. And today talking about the underactive thyroid. Yes, David. I thought we'd just recap um, firstly some of the symptoms that you might have an underactive thyroid. Uh, as I said, it's a condition that is occurring more and more. And we'll be talking a bit today about testing and, and why your thyroid test might be wrong. And because there's a whole group of people, I think, that have a subclinical underactive thyroid that aren't being diagnosed mm-hmm. as well. So we'll cover that in a little while. So the first major sign that you could have a thyroid um, issue is fatigue, but it's a very specific type of fatigue. So it's feeling like you don't have enough e- energy to exercise or that you do exercise and then you've got to go home and have a lay down. You know, most people, when they exercise, yeah. they feel invigorated by it, like they're yeah. They come away from it more energetic. Well, with underactive thyroid, you do your exercise and you've got to go home and go back to bed. Oh. Um, heavy or tired head, particularly in the afternoon, so brain fog. Yes. Thyroid hormone, every cell in the body has a receptor for thyroid hormone. So even our brain is very much affected. If you're under-functioning in your thyroid, you'll get brain fog. Yeah. You know, it's a very specific symptom. Um, falling asleep as soon as you sit down without anything to do. Yeah. So, you know, busy and all right while you're on the go, but as soon as you sit, Yep. If you keep falling asleep, can be a sign of an underactive thyroid. And, you know, 80% of the population relying on caffeine to get you through the day. Yeah. So if you need to have one to get you going, one mid-morning, you know, one at lunch, one yeah. in the afternoon to keep you going, yeah. then um, you could, could possibly have a yeah. 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 Uh, weight gain. And um, easy weight gain and difficult losing weight, which I know is a common epidemic these yeah. days. But it's where, where people sort of feel that, you know, they've put on 10 or 11 kilos over the last six months. And nothing else has changed. Yeah. Their diet's been the same. They're exercising the same, but their weight's just going up and up. Dry skin and hair, also hair loss, yeah. can be a sign of underactive thyroid. Sensitivity to the cold, you know, where you're feeling like you feel the cold more now than what you used to. And low basal temperature. One of the, the things that we get or tests that we get our patients to do to check their metabolism is to record your temperature first thing in the morning yes. for 10 days straight. If your temperature, while you're nice and warm and still cozy in bed, comes back 36.5 or below, it definitely suggests a low metabolism and there's possibly some thyroid issues as well. Right, right. Um, and, you know, thyroid's also, low thyroid's also involved with things like constipation, high cholesterol, depression, um, thinning of the outside areas of your eyebrows. So there's lots, lots, can, lots can go wrong. Okay, yes. Uh, so we're looking to see if you have some issues with uh, underactive thyroid, you can give us a call, 49216216, and have a chat about it. What else are we exploring with this today? Well, some of the causes, Dave, like one of the most common causes for an underactive thyroid is what's called Hashimoto's disease. So it's an autoimmune condition. Yes. And it can be triggered off by a wide range of things. Um, autoimmune, as we've spoken about before on this show, is genetic predisposition. Often with underactive thyroid or Hashimoto's particularly, there'll be a family history. Yeah. So that's how we know there's a genetic involvement. And then it can be triggered off by an environmental trigger. You know, things like um, heavy metal exposure. So someone that smokes, you know, elevated levels of cadmium. Cadmium seems to have a particular affinity for getting caught in the thyroid gland. So if there's an autoimmune predisposition, then cadmium can, heavy metals can be a trigger. Um, Interestingly, Epstein-Barr virus. Oh, you know, we talk about that. We've spoken about it. Yeah, yeah. glandular fever-causing virus. Apparently, in, in America, at 40, over 80% of the population will have the gland, the Epstein-Barr virus in their system. Yeah. So, And that stays in your system It does. For once life, you've, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you've got the virus in your system for life, and your body will have those antibodies. But Epstein-Barr can be a trigger for thyroid. 
Um, another trigger for thyroid, underactive thyroid, is a, a gut parasite called Blastocystis hominis. Mm-hmm. And um, we do a stool test for this um, as, as naturopaths. And um, it's quite uncanny the number of people that have thyroid issues that also have gut issues but may actually have this um, gut parasite. Ah. So, again, treating the thyroid is not just about taking yeah. thyroid hormone. Yeah. You know, what I always believe is you, you really have to spend the time and the, the energy to actually try and find out what actually triggered it. Um, poor diet can be another cause of low thyroid deficiencies of things like iodine, selenium, zinc, um, vitamin D. You know, we talked about that before. Yeah. How many of our patients come in are low in vitamin D? Your Bs, B2, B3, B6, um, vitamin E and vitamin C. So deficiencies, poor yeah. diet can contribute to low thyroid function. Yep. Um, one of my favorite topics, gut inflammation or leaky gut, um, contributes to the autoimmune, so it can be a trigger for the Hashimoto's. Um, but it also contributes or is a, a contributor to just inflammation generally. So, And leaky gut can be triggered by food allergy, high stress, toxins, um, bacterial imbalance. Uh, pregnancy, you know, is another cause of low thyroid or okay. thyroid issues. Um, some women will find their thyroid will go a bit crazy through pregnancy and they okay. can end up with an underactive thyroid. Fortunately, most time that corrects itself. Um, drug interactions can be another cause of low thyroid. Uh, drugs like lithium for bipolar, uh, chemotherapy, certain antidepressants, surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's, the list goes on and on. High stress is another one. Lack of exercise is another one can be a trigger. To, right. And probably, you know, environmental toxins is something that we haven't talked a lot, a lot about on this show. But environmental toxins include things like heavy metals. You know, lead, uh, cadmium, yeah. mercury is all of these heavy metals. Once they're in the environment, they never go away. Yeah. So that's the problem. That they're in their their final state. They can't get converted to anything else. So, the more these heavy metals are, are brought out of the ground and delivered back into the environment, we're stuck with them. Yeah. Um, the halides and the bromides, so things like fluoride and chloride, chloride in your drinking water will actually bind to thyroid um, hormone receptor sites in your body. So if someone's getting a lot of um, chlorine or fluorine, um, then your thyroid hormone won't bind and it won't work properly. Um, your estrogenic type mm-hmm. chemicals that come out of plasticides and plastics and things like that, all of these things, um, growth hormones in any foods that we eat, all of these things can interfere with that whole thyroid receptor site. So, Now, when we uh, come back after the break, we'll look at why your thyroid test could be wrong. Yeah, we're continuing to talk about underactive thyroid today. Lorraine joins us. Lorraine, you've got uh, some issues with that, and Peter Mullins listening to you now. Oh, hello, Peter. Good afternoon, Lorraine. Yes, I have an underactive thyroid and have had one for many, many years. Um, my last test came back, one of the levels was 3.5. That's the one I sort of go on. Yes. Which the doctor says, oh, no, it's normal. Yes. So I haven't checked regularly. But I have a lot of the, still have a lot of the symptoms you talk about. And I just wonder if I'm one of those people whose tests are coming back normal but something's askew. Yeah, look, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. And um, there's a, a bit of a, a debate about um, thyroid hormone. But in this next section, I'm actually going to explain all of that. Yeah, um, yeah the TSH, the figure you're re- referring to, you know, the ideal, the reference range the GPs or the pathology companies recommend is about 0.5 to 4.5. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're coming in at 3.5. I would suggest that anything greater than 2 suggests that your thyroid is still under-functioning. 
Well, when it was two, I felt much better. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it was four, three months ago, and I said, no, I'm not happy with that. And he said, well, wait three months, test it again, and it came back 3.5. But I have sleep apnea, and I use a CPAP machine at night. Yes. And my sleep doctor said to me, oh, you're waking up vitalized in the morning. And I said, no, I'm not. And I just, like you described, I sit in the chair, and I fall asleep. Yes. I walk three or four mornings a week for an hour. Yes. But I still don't have the energy levels that I think I should have. Should have. have. Yeah, I'm absolutely. I've 11 kilos this year, and my weight can vary from day to day. Like I'm three kilos heavier, or probably two and a half kilos heavier today than I was yesterday. Yeah, wow, wow. And I always think a fluid retention with me is a sign that Abs- I'll take that with, as my um, thyroid's not quite right. Yeah, look, I, I would suggest that your whole system's... Um, not quite balanced there at the moment, and even with um with your thyroid hormone taking the synthetic thyroid hormone, you still have to convert that in your liver to the active thyroid hormone of T3. So it's worthwhile when you're when you're sort of trying to work out what's going on. It's worthwhile getting your TSH, your T4, and your T3 tested every time. All right, okay. Now, but maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go, Lorraine could benefit from the uh, the meeting tonight with David yeah, Marston. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Um, we have a, a free talk on tonight, Lorraine, which we'll talk about in a little while. But I'm um, going through all the variations with thyroid, and um, I'll go over the thyroid hormone results now, so let's, people let's get a Let's have a talk about that. that because you're suggesting that the thyroid test could be wrong. Yeah, well, the the challenge with the the current system is that if you go to the GP and you're suspecting that you may have a thyroid issue. Um, the first test they'll do is what's called your TSH, which is your thyroid-stimulating hormone. Now, TSH is produced by your pituitary mm-hmm. to stimulate your thyroid to produce T4. Now, unfortunately, the reference range that the pathology companies allow is 0.5 to 4.5, so it's a massively wide range. The higher that TSH is, and as Lorraine said, hers is up to 3.5, it's still within the reference range. So some GPs would say, no, there's no problem, and they won't go on to test your T3 and T4. Oh. And through Medicare, they're only allowed to test for TSH. If it comes back within that range, then they can't recommend the T3 and T4. And fortunately, they're not expensive tests. So if someone's concerned about T3 and T4, if they see a naturopath, we can give them a referral to get those tests done as well. That's good, yeah. So you can actually see what's going on. So that's the first thing is that TSH range is too wide. As a naturopath, like I, I believe that if someone's TSH is above 2, that suggests already that they're subclinically heading towards a low thyroid state and experiencing. Lorraine was the, the classic case of all the symptoms that I read off just before are the things that she's experiencing. Yeah, most definitely. And this is someone that's taking thyroid hormone. So supposedly taking thyroid hormone is supposed to miraculously fix all those things, but unfortunately um, it doesn't. So the other the other factor that can come into play is... Under stress as well, so you, you can have so your TSH stimulates your thyroid to produce T4. T4 then has to go to the liver where it's converted in the presence of selenium and zinc and other enzymes into T3, which is the active form. When people are given thyroid hormone, they're given T4, but there's no reckoning that that T4 is going to get converted correctly. So there could still be issues. So sometimes, or or most times if someone's taking thyroid hormone they still need extra nutritional support to make okay. that help that thyroid hormone to actually work properly yep so as well as getting tc t tsh t4 and t3 there's also another option that can happen where the t4 in the liver gets converted to what's called reverse t3 now when someone's under a lot of stress they can be taking thyroid hormone but unless and so, which is t4 so but you need to see what's happening with your t3 and you need to also test your reverse t3 because if you're under stress, you'll convert that T4 to T, reverse T3 
it binds to receptor sites, but it's inactive. You can see where it's confusing for people. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But it 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 actually when you when you and I usually draw it up for people, so it's quite easy to sort of follow through. But that's why, and and a lot of times, um, if your TSH and even if your thyroid levels appear to be okay, a lot of people still seem to be experiencing exactly mm-hmm. the same thyroid, yeah. same symptoms. So that's where we think that you know there could even be a bit of um, thyroid hormone resistance setting in. And again, nutritional factors and other factors come into play. So because the thyroid, because every single cell in your body has a thyroid receptor, um, it's really important to get it sorted out and go and see someone that can really understand the whole whole story of thyroid. Not just It's not just about taking a thyroid hormone. We're talking about an underactive thyroid and we continue to discuss that now. Maybe some direction we need to get. Absolutely, Dave. And um, just while we're talking about it, if people are interested in more information about why your thyroid test might be wrong, we do actually have a couple of good blogs on our website that people can go to and have a look at. Um, and also, as we mentioned, we do have our thyroid talk on tonight with David Marston. So if people are interested, they can get on our website. or What, they can... what will uh, David be talking about? David's going to be talking about um, underactive and overactive thyroid right. and a lot more information about um, natural ways of treating or ways of treating thyroid naturally. Yep. Diet, lifestyle, and natural medicine. That'll be quite a thorough talk that he'll give to yeah, too. Yeah, it's a really good talk that he does. So, yeah, and everyone's welcome to come along to that. Um, so just for, I thought an interesting segue, like from a, a dietary point of view, is when with both hypothyroid, underactive thyroid, and overactive thyroid, you know, us naturopaths are big on recommending everyone cut down on things like gluten and dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, but particularly when it comes to thyroid, gluten can act like an auto-antibody. So in, say, Hashimoto's, um, the immune system's producing antibodies to the thyroid. It's got confused and thinks that the thyroid's a foreign body, oh, okay. and that's what causes the thyroid then to start to fail. Yeah. Um, we believe that gluten can act almost like an auto-antibody, and so anyone with thyroid issues, we always recommend gluten-free and casein, and casein's a protein in dairy. Um, in hypothyroidism, sometimes there's, there's certain foods called goitrogens, Yes. that can interfere with the thyroid hormone binding to thyroid receptor sites. So goitrogens can be things like unfermented soya products. So people that have um, a suspicious of low thyroid probably shouldn't be drinking soya milk. You know, fermented soy is okay, like right. miso and tempeh, but, you know, not your normal soy. And there's a lot of soy in processed foods. Uh, goitrogens, are goitrogens also the brassica family as well? Do we sort of think cauliflower, broccoli... I'd avoid them. Yeah. So, again, foods like that can, can interfere with that thyroid hormone production. Um, sugar, you know, we're a big fan of avoiding yes, sugar. Yep, yep. And alcohol right. initially until things are stabilized. And often when people are first diagnosed with hypothyroid or underactive thyroid, it can take a while just to get thyroid hormone levels right. So you want to sort of take out a lot of these variables. With overactive thyroid, the list is very similar. Gluten, casein. Um, sugar and alcohol, but also caffeine. Okay. People that have an overactive thyroid, you know, they're already over revving. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the reverse of underactive. Underactive is weight gain, feel the cold, slow down. Overactive is weight loss, anxiety, palpitation. Mm. So if you're already over revving, you don't want to be having caffeine. And Dave, I thought while well, we had Lisa here today yes, with yes. her training wheels on, um, Lisa's uh, particular area of expertise is in herbal medicine and prescribing herbal tonics. So I thought, Lisa, what, what would be your top three herbs for treating an underfunctioning thyroid? Okay, thanks for that, Peter. 
sorry. Um, so the top herb that I would use is um, bladderwrack. So um, we really need to look at the iodine um, consumption for an underactive thyroid. So bladderwrack, bladderwrack is kelp, isn't it? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So it's a the sushi. The sushi. That's it. So <laughs> yeah. and remember, in the sixties, like everybody, you know, the government was on about, you know, everybody needs to be eat iodized salt. Mm. So iodine is the primary mineral we look at for thyroid function. So you put bladderwrack in a in a herbal tonic. Yep, definitely, yep. definitely for the hypothyroidism. Yep. Um, the other herbs that I like are ones that's called bacopa. So it's another one that's specific for low functioning thyroid. Okay. Um, so um, that one actually works on the nervous system as well. So it helps with stress. And bacopa is also good for um, um, brain fog as well. Ah, definitely. As a bit of a, um, yep. a brain tonic. Definitely a brain tonic. Um, and the third one that I'd always put in would be um, your withania. So withania, um, again, works on that stress response. So um, on the adrenal function, that has an impact on your thyroid. So um, that one's a definite. Um, yeah, nice and I think, I think we've talked about withania before. Like it's probably one of my mm. favorite herbs for you know, right. adrenal support, but also in a, in a thyroid mix as well. Definitely. And you were talking about it in the car on the way coming over here. The great thing with making up herb mixes for patients is that you can be very specific and very individual. Um, you'd often put a liver. You'd always put a liver herb That's in right, with thyroid yeah, as well. Definitely, definitely. That whole, um, that whole filter link um, with all the hormones um, yep. yeah, and how they get filtered through the liver, things like if your liver is a bit sluggish, yeah, again, that looking can be at a that big factor. T4 to T3, definitely. Yeah, and because the liver plays such a big role in converting T4 to T3, as you said. So what liver herbs would you sort of be thinking about? Um, well, Shisandra is one that, uh, again, is um, a nice one for the nervous system as well. So you get a bit of a secondary action on there. So um, Shisandra is a good one. Uh, looking at the good old milk thistle. He's always in there. So um, some Mary's thistle. Some Mary's That's, thistle, I yeah. usually put that in a lot of my mixes as well. Yeah. I always think that helps with Very nice. liver detox. And yeah. So in, in looking at something like thyroid, we want specific herbs, Dave, for, that work on improving the um, sensitivity of receptors to thyroid, uh, um, thyroid hormones. We want to support the adrenals because, yes. again, often people that have had an underfunctioning thyroid for a while, as the, the thyroid starts to peter out, that's not a very good term, is it, yeah. peter out? Um, as the thyroid starts to peter out, then the adrenals have to work harder. So you can sort of get secondary adrenal stress or adrenal fatigue on top of your thyroid issues. So with Dania and um, as Lisa was saying, you know, always supporting the liver and the liver clearance of toxins as well. And tell us more, another opportunity tonight to come along and hear all about overactive and underactive thyroid with David Marston. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so we've got a free talk tonight for anyone that's interested or if you know someone that has thyroid issues. Um, the details of where it's at and what time will be on our website or they can always call the office. Yes. And um, we've got plenty of tickets still available. So if they ring up or um, give us a call, then we can sort something out. Now, also, what about some blogs? Do you have any blogs on the on the website about this? Yeah, we do. As I mentioned, we've got a great blog on why your thyroid test might be wrong. So Lorraine might like to have a look at that one. Yes. Um, other things about uh, other blogs about how the thyroid actually functions. Um, is your thyroid making you sick? So we've got some good information there. And that is at mullenhealth.com.au. That's it. Okay, That's thank it. you for today. My pleasure. Thank and you, we'll Dave. we look forward to having Lisa with us next week. Yeah, Thanks Lisa Lisa will be talking about uh, allergies and intolerances next week and what's the difference. Naturopath Lisa Picton joining us and also naturopath Peter Mullen today for Health Naturally. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dave.